Hey guys, my name is Jordan Koss. Welcome to the Almost Essential Podcast. This 16-episode series is based off my final project for my Doctorate of Ministry degree at Fuller Theological Seminary. The title of that final project is Almost Essential Evangelists, Improving Retirement Asset Accumulation for Mainstream Church of Christ Pastors. In this series, we will interview eight different specialists in eight separate episodes. And we will also interview two pastors from each of eight different regions around the U.S. This final project was inspired by 10 years of ministry in three different churches of Christ from Georgia to Northern California from 2010 to 2019, as well as my time as a financial professional in training in 2020. That is where I learned about the retirement crisis America is in and will be experiencing in the coming years. Now, I have three goals for this podcast. One, provide an accessible, denomination-specific qualitative conversation for Church of Christ pastors and leaders. Two, introduce leaders and listeners to retirement vehicles and strategies they may not have heard about before. And three, provide encouragement, motivation, and knowledge to save for the last third of life. Thank you for listening and enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to the Almost Essential Podcast. It's been a while since we've recorded our last episode, which is episode 16. We recorded all 16 episodes from January through March of 2023, and then took a little break because I had to finish writing my final project, which I submitted that final manuscript on July 1st. Um, We learned a lot uh, in the midst of those 16 episodes and bringing on two pastors from each of eight different regions around the country from Church of Christ to talk to about retirement and the retirement crisis and uh, how to have enough money in order to uh, live a thriving third age. And uh, we learned a lot from our survey results. We had 16 people, uh, 16 uh, pastors and former pastors in Church of Christ take their survey after listening to at least eight episodes of the podcast. And one of the things that uh, we learned was that they wanted more episodes. And so this is why we're here today. This is a recap episode number one of season one of the Almost Essential podcast. And therefore, uh, with that brief summary about where we're at today, let me introduce my co-host once again. Lars, say a few words about yourself, my man. Yeah, uh, it's wonderful to be in part of this uh, 16 episode journey as uh, director of University relations. I get to hang out with a lot of pastors and churches, and and just talk through finance and and stewardship. Uh, on Sunday, in fact, we were talking a little bit about these these conversations and uh, what this looks like uh, long term uh, for for younger pastors, and then also for our current pastors who are retiring. and And so I get to kind of step into that space as somebody working at a university that cares about uh, people going into ministry and studying that. And then I also serve on the advisory board for the Northwest Christian Convention. And I think we've mentioned that before, but it's a unity movement here in Oregon that's uh, kind of trying to bridge the three streams of the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement and has this historic uh, tabernacle um, and and all kinds of fun things. And at that uh, event this summer, uh, which was just a few weeks ago, I got to meet uh, Matt and Jonathan and uh, really glad that they're with us today. And so I'll let you uh, open it up for for them to introduce themselves. Yeah, Matt, why don't you uh, kick us off and introduce yourself for us? 
Sure. Yeah. So my name is Matt Shears. Uh, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. So broadcasting live from beautiful East Tennessee, Smoky Mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a actually I come from the independent Christian church background. So we've got all three streams represented here today. Church of Christ, mm -hmm. independent Christian church and Christian church disciples of Christ, too. Uh, so I uh, grew up in the restoration movement, Stone Campbell movement, went to Johnson University, uh, which is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, from there, I went to Emmanuel Christian Seminary, uh, which is part of Milligan College. And I've always been really interested in Stone Campbell history. So one, I want to say thanks for having us on today. Yeah. Two, welcome. thanks for discussing this, particularly within the context of, of Stone Campbell restoration movement history. Um, and so my first job um, out of college while I was in seminary was working with Johnson University um, in their advancement office. Uh, and Johnson's retirement uh, plan is overseen by Pension Fund of the Christian Church. So Pension Fund not only oversees uh, churches, but then also any nonprofits, colleges, seminaries, other things affiliated with the restoration movement. Um, and then from there, I, uh, I worked in pastoral ministry for a, a period of time and then came on board with Pension Fund uh, and have really enjoyed it and kind of view it as uh, one of the 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 last standing bridges between all three streams um, okay. since we serve all three streams. Uh, and I can talk a little bit about the history of pension fund later, but anyway, yeah, mm -hmm. so that's a little bit about how I ended up here. That's great. That's great. Thank you for that. And Jonathan, introduce yourself for us. Uh, I'm Jonathan Beckham Brink, and uh, I actually am hailing from the great state of Texas, if you will. That's what a lot of people say. We're the big state. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm in Fort Worth, and I'm actually the new guy at Pension Fund. I've only been on staff for going on seven months now. Um, I served for 13 years in congregational ministry for the Disciples of Christ. I'm actually a fifth-generation disciple, and my daughter is now a sixth. So we have a long history within that group. Um, but uh, I actually got a business degree in my undergraduate at Houston Baptist University, now Houston Christian University. Mm -hmm. And uh, this opportunity kind of brings together the 13 years of ministry and some of the uh, business uh, side of things that I was actually always interested in that side of church anyway. When I was serving in different uh, ministries for 13 years, youth ministry, music ministry, associate and senior, kind of the business aspects of how to help a church function always kind of seemed to land on my plate. And so this is really coming into this position is uh, bringing the two in true harmony together to bring the business side of church and getting to still serve and uh, be a part of uh, ministry with all of my fellow colleagues across the three streams. That's great. That's great. Awesome, guys. So thank you much, so much for being with us on this episode of the Almost Essential Podcast today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, I don't want to jump ahead. There's so many things I want to say. So, and you're going to see me kind of like shake my head a lot because it's like you, I'm a, there's, you're going to see a lot of frustration come out of me the more I learn about what you're going to tell us today. And I'm sure the people listening to this episode, once we put it on Spotify and YouTube and Apple, they're going to be like shaking their heads too. Like, why did I not know about this But when I entered into ministry, et cetera, et cetera. So the first thing I want to do, I just want to briefly mention my six action steps that I wrote in my conclusion to my final project, which this podcast was birthed out of as the practice component of that final project for the D-men at Fuller Theological Seminary. And here's what these six action steps are. And you'll understand, our audience will understand why we brought you two on to talk to us about Pinch in Front of the Christian Church as a result of listening to these six action steps. So number one was read Teresa Gillarducci's book, How to Retire with Enough Money and How to Know What Enough Is. 
If you listen to episode three of the Almost Essential podcast, Teresa Gilarducci, whose book, Rescue and Retirement, was kind of like the foundation upon which I based my entire argument in my final project. Uh, she talks about the DIY, American DIY retirement crisis, uh, ultimately precipitated most, all, most of all by the 401k uh, and its inability to build up enough cash and money for someone to have that last route retirement. Not... Uh, or claim, and secondly, claiming Social Security too soon, et cetera, et cetera. But she wrote this book specifically uh, as a means, a short book, 116 pages, as like, hey, here's how you how, retire with enough money and how to know what that amount should be for you uh, in retirement. So that's step one. Um, I'm talking too much, so I'm trying to get through this briefly. Now, step number two is do not opt out of Social Security, rather delay collecting benefits till the age of 70 so you can get the max amount of monthly benefits from Social Security as possible by delaying to age 70. Step number three, find pension style income. Gilarducci talks about how you, you, if you want to have a secure retirement, you know, have Social Security uh, with Medicare and then find pension style income. And in in my in my final project, which I learned about several vehicles when I attempted to be a financial professional during COVID in 2020 and 2021, two of the main products that they I learned about they had as pitch to potential clients were index universal life plans and then fixed index annuities. And I talk about that in, in, in my paper. Um, and those are non-traditional vehicles that if you if that if you pitch these and talk to these to most people, they're gonna like have no idea what you're talking about. But they also might have like a negative view on it because the popular sentiment out there, especially like, say, Dave Ramsey, is don't use insurance for retirement planning and saving. Right. Um, and uh, but I, an ironic thing that I learned in the midst of that study was perhaps, according to Gilarducci's argument, maybe Dave Ramsey's advice is precipitating and making worse this DIY retirement crisis for Americans and in particular Church of Christ pastors and Church of Christ pastors are a microcosm of that American DIY retirement crisis because they are over reliant upon traditional vehicles like Social Security and IRAs. And that information was from James Knapp's two academic studies back in the uh, mid 2000s. And, 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 and I believe in 2017, he wrote two articles on those two studies. But another means of pension style income, um, the Christian Church's pensions plan is one of the things I learned about. And then pension fund of the Christian church is one of the things I learned about. Uh, and interestingly, the only article in the Stone Campbell Movement Encyclopedia uh, on pastors and their retirement and saving enough for retirement was on pension fund of the Christian church. And that's over that's in a, a book with over 700 entries, only one. And it was about pension fund of the Christian church. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, last two steps. If offered a defined pension plan and match ticket. Uh, that's probably going to be a 403B. Church is offering that for nonprofit orgs. Um, and let's see, the next step is step five. If possible, own a home instead of living in a parsonage, as living in a parsonage negatively impacts retirement prospects. Um, we learned about that through James Knapp's two studies of Church of Christ pastors, both in Texas and nationally. Um, you can also see uh, it it's what's really interesting, the latest ACU salary survey uh, shows out of those who took the, the survey, the ones who were living in parsonage the most were actually probably the oldest who were the executive ministers. And you can kind of like read between the lines, like those are the older ministers who've been serving in church of Christ the most, and therefore perhaps 
aren't as prepared for retirement as possible. And they're the ones who are uh, living in parsonages the most. And then finally, the last step is plan for an intentional retirement job that serves as the third leg of one's retirement savings stool, perhaps even planning on that retirement job, starting college and training by double majoring and or not even starting in ministry full time, but getting a, a job outside of ministry first or just staying bivo, you know, et cetera. Gilbert Ducci mentions how a retirement job for more and more Americas is functioning as that third stool uh, for retirement uh, savings and uh, retirement income in the third age. So those are the six steps. And therefore, step number, what was it? Step number three was find that pension style income. And that leads me to kind of get back to you, Matt and Jonathan, to spend the rest of our time together talking about Pension Fund of the Christian Church and what it can do, what that organization, what you guys can do for Church of Christ pastors today, who are, again, a microcosm of that American DIY retirement crisis that Ter Teresa Gillarducci tells us about in her works and writing. Okay, so question number one. I'm done talking. Now it's your turn. Um, tell us about your backgrounds and how you came to work for the Pension Fund of the Christian Church. Just one more time, recap that. Yeah, well, uh, like I mentioned before, I come from independent Christian church background, um, and at Johnson University, where I went to school and graduated, um, their retirement plan is with pension funds. So pension fund offers both 403B and traditional pension plan accounts. Uh, and so I got to work, uh, or I, I joined, so I first was part of pension fund by joining pension fund as an employee of the school. Uh, and then from there, kind of learned about the history of it, because like I said, I'm, I'm a bit of a Stone Campbell history nerd, learned that it's a 127-year-old um, organization, one of the oldest still functioning uh, restoration movement organizations in existence, uh, serves all three streams. Um, and then I just built a relationship with the staff, and um, then after seminary, ended up coming on staff and working with Pension Fund. And I've really enjoyed it because I do view it. Um, I, I'm always big on Stone Campbell unity or Restoration Movement unity. What are ways that Churches of Christ, independent Christian churches, and Disciples of Christ can still relate to each other and connect with each other? Uh, and I feel like Pension Fund is one of those last things that does still kind of hold us together. So Awesome. Awesome. And Jonathan, real quick, how, how, remind us how you came to work for Pension Fund, how you came to be aware of the Pension Fund of the Christian Church. Uh, well, I've actually been aware of Pension Fund for a very long time, um, but I don't think I knew very much about it until okay. I went to Bright Divinity School at seminary whenever I had someone who came out and visited and said, hey, um, you need to be thinking about your retirement. And I was mm. grateful to have had uh, that person come out and visit. And I honestly couldn't tell you who it was anymore because that was <laughs> too many years ago. Um, but we did have somebody who came out and visited. And that's what really enlightened me and brought it to the forefront of I need to get that on my radar to figure out how to retire because I was in my mid-20s and hadn't really mm. even thought about retirement yet at that right. point. Um, right. And I'm so glad that I had somebody who got in front of me and was able to sit me down and have a real conversation about retirement and planning for that now versus waiting until I'm 10, 15, 20 years into work um, mm -hmm. and being behind the game and only relying on Social Security, maybe, you know, yeah, that, that time I remember folks were even talking about, hey, you may need to, to like just get rid of Social Security. So I know that those kind of conversations will still 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 taking place mm. 15 years ago. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. And now remind me, is Bright a Stone Campbell Movement background school, Bright Divinity? It is. Okay. It is. And it's associated with Texas Christian University, which has mm -hmm. a longer relationship uh, as well with uh, Disciples of Christ. Very cool. Which is part Very of that cool. Stone Campbell restoration. 
Nice. And TCU, they just made it to the College World Series, too. So, hey, they got some good sports. And yeah. they beat they beat my team in the college football playoff, the Michigan Wolverines. Oh, man, that was that was oh. horrible. That was horrible. <laughs> that was a terrible game. It's like every time Michigan makes it now, it's like they get destroyed either by Georgia and TCU. I wonder who it's going to be this next year. All right. It's it's kind of one, one uh, six and one half dozen the other. Would you rather have lost to TCU or get crushed 65 to seven by Georgia? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's uh I didn't wear purple on purpose, okay? I mean, like, <laughs> it's accidental. I'm not a TCU yeah. grad, but uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. well, you know, you guys were presenting on uh the subject here that we're talking about today, mm -hmm. retirement for for pastors, and you made some some observations. I I would be curious if uh if you could just talk a little bit about uh, what what were some takeaways from your conversations with individuals at the convention? So obviously you were doing a presentation that's kind of the the baseline. What does the pension What does pension fund of the Christian Church do? What what should you be doing? But I'd be curious about what your experience was because we did a survey and we're going to talk a little bit about some survey respondent responses. But I'd be curious what your questions were by individuals that you were meeting with at the convention. Yeah. And tell us, uh, for those who are t completely out of the loop, what is that convention and, and, yeah, and so forth? Yeah. yeah. Um, so so Northwest Christian Convention, formerly Oregon Christian Convention, is a yearly meeting um, that historically is all three streams. Um, I think predominantly, Lars can, can correct me, but I think predominantly it's independent Christian churches now, but there is still presence from all three streams within the Stone Campbell movement. Um, and so, yeah, there were there were pastors in all different situations uh, in urban, rural, suburban environments, uh, big churches, small churches. Um, and the biggest thing I encounter really when talking to, to ministers um, is is kind of what what this podcast is about is, is kind of a, a crisis point where uh, for one reason or another, they weren't able to save. Um, fortunately, we do have a lot of um, participation in the Oregon area with uh, okay. pension fund of the Christian church. So we are able, we were able to, to go and give good news to the people who have existing mm -hmm. accounts. Um, but uh, one of the things that I, I run into, not just in Oregon, but in other places is people who opted out of social security. Mm -hmm. um, and I appreciate what you said, because I think a lot of people think that they will save. Um, but for, I mean, life happens and they're not able to save. Um, and so one of the big things that we talked about there um, at the convention as well, too, is that each congregation thinking about itself as an employer. Um, and we don't we we don't necessarily think of local churches like that, but local churches uh, are many things. But one thing they are, are local nonprofits and they function mm -hmm. as nonprofits. And so you have to think about um, what does it look like to be an employer with benefits and, and things like that? I would say that uh, the thing that I ran into at the convention um, was kind of two despairing ideas. And one was we got a lot of uh, conversations from folks who are very grateful to have been retired and have been in the uh, the system for pension fund for you know, 30, 40, 50 years, some of them. And then on the other side, uh, usually it was the younger pastors who were come to visit me over at the table and say, okay, can you explain to me what a pension plan is and break it down how I could do this with my church? Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, an interesting dynamic between the two to know that there were some older pastors who had been in that for years and somehow the younger ones hadn't even heard of what a pension plan is with us right. and so there was that conversation that we need to have more education mm -hmm. uh, between 
the two despairing ideas to make sure that everybody knows like this is an option for you and it's right. a really great benefit. You need to use it if you can. Right, right, right. I know Gilbert Ducci and another guy from the Harvard, Harvard Business School, Merton, talks about how we don't need more education. We just need better products. But there is a certain level of education just to become aware of pension fund of the Christian church, because that itself is a problem for many Church of Christ pastors is just awareness that you guys even exist. Um, and I don't know why that that is that has become a problem in Church of Christ, but it is. And so that leads me into this this next question, question two. Several survey respondents, we had 16, you know, again, 16 responses to the survey that I was able to write about those responses in my paper. So, uh, those respondents said that the most important thing from the podcast was learning about pension fund of the Christian church. And it was for me as well, because I was like, what? This thing that we've always said we wanted and didn't think we had, we actually do have, but we never just didn't know about it. Like, what is going on here? So why do you think many Church of Christ pastors have not heard about you guys before? Well, uh, the thing that I would start with, first of all, is that it's mostly theoretical and conjecture in this because uh, I don't have a uh, legitimate, like this is the exact reason right here. But I think a lot of it has to do with the history of the three streams. And, uh, you know, that we were all kind of uh, one thing that kind of broke off from each other and kind of went in our separate ways. And despite pension fund starting in 1895 and yeah. really uh, being for all three streams, it seemed to attach most of all to disciples, even though it really was meant for all three and meant to be that bridge. And um, mm. it kind of just had that broken down communication somewhere yeah. where it ended up not serving as many COC pastors as uh, I think that it really could have been doing. Um, so I really can't say why it's not as popularly known in the COC. And I think that I even saw at the, the Northwest Convention um, some breakdown there and some of that communication and independent as well. And, okay. and I imagine that even myself going back in disciples knowledge, um, I didn't know about that until I was in seminary. And I just, because I had somebody who sat in front of me and if someone hadn't sat in front of me while I was at seminary, I may not have known about it until the right time. And so I think sometimes it's just available. How do we get that word out there? And as we're getting better at uh, cross communication and uh, global media and being able to get that information out there, I think they're becoming better bridges that we can now make sure that we're patching up all of those to get everybody in the, in the know on how to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah, and and to add to that, I would I would just echo the sentiment. I think that it goes back to history. It goes back to our polity and ecclesiology. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, all three stream. I mean, the, the Stone Campbell movement or the Restoration movement, whatever you want to call it, has definitely has a, an independent uh, streak, or, or or in some ways an anti institutional streak. And that's not just churches of Christ, but it's even disciples of Christ uh, and Christian churches, because some people say like, oh, well, y'all have regional ministers. Well, the regional minister's power is not anything like having a bishop or anything. So mm -hmm. it's still, okay. even in disciples, it's congregationally governed and in independent Christian churches, it's congregationally governed. And I mean, the history of the restoration movement, you see that the, the kind of churches of Christ um, and the, the split with churches of Christ and Christian churches really was late 1800s and that's about the time when the pension when, when pension fund was started 1895 right. um and so even though we've historically served all three streams the the lowest participating percentage has always been churches of christ interesting um, and and i think part of that as well too is um the connection to schools so like pension fund has had a connection to schools like milligan and johnson university um connection to T texas christian university and 
um, Chapman University and, okay. and other schools like that. But there has there has not been that historical connection with church churches of Christ schools. Yeah. Um, and it I think that that's part of the breakdown as well, too. Um, although over the last couple of years, we've been trying to be pretty intentional about outreach to churches of Christ. So uh, we've been trying and have made connections with um, Abilene Christian and Lipscomb, Harding, in yeah. uh, some some individual Church of Christ congregations as well, too. But I think that, again, I think it goes back to just the, the polity, the, the congregationalism um, and the the disconnect from from the schools, which seem to be kind of a cohesive unit within Churches of Christ. Right, right. You know, and um, that like you mentioned, that part of that history of like being anti like missionary societies. Being yeah. anti any other organization that handles money outside of the local church is was that an aspect of that kind of like Church of Christ just kind of giving a stiff arm to the pension yeah, fund? Yeah, I think okay. that I think that was part of it as well too because in independent Christian churches we have missions agencies and we we kind of have a quasi denomination um, not as fully as as Disciples of Christ um, and I think that just kind of that that anti institutional streak within Churches of Christ has probably made them weary of us um, and. Yeah that's that also is partly on us because we need to make sure that we do the education in the sense of showing people that we are an organization and you can work with a secular organization um, or you can work with a a, a religious nonprofit ministry uh, which we are which is part of your tradition so there's some irony irony in that like we're like church Christ people are more willing to work with secular organizations than they are with you know religious institutions connected to their own stone Campbell movement stream and family. Um, but yeah, an aspect of what I wrote about in terms of the history of like, why do Church of Christ pastors, uh, struggle so much with saving enough money for retirement that it, the, a lot of it has to do with our sociological origins, you know, the apocalyptic view of money, you know, Barton W. Stone, uh, started out with a lot of money in his life, but then, uh, stopped taking a salary and intentionally kind of lived poor and more destitute, whereas Campbell was kind of the opposite, started out with less money, and then by the end of his life was a very pretty wealthy guy. Um, and there's there's some interesting uh, irony there in just looking at their histories and in, in, involved in money. But one of the top three issues uh, in that in the late, you know, I guess, the, since, since the beginning of the Stowell Campbell movement was located in salaried pastors. Like if we have a hard enough time Deciding on are we even going to have a located and salaried pastor in our churches? It it kind of led seemed to have led to not even like having a hard time even having that conversation about do we give pastors retirement via via churches as well? Uh, had you guys ever heard of that top three issue of located salaried pastors before in the Stone Campbell movement? Yeah, I know that was a big discussion, um, like in the Millennial Harbinger and. Um and things like that. I, I'm not, I'm not an expert on Alexander Campbell, but I do know that there are a couple of articles where Alexander Campbell does talk about um, taking care of those who served on the mission field mm -hmm. um, and when they come back. Uh, and I think that that in itself is, is kind of demonstrating at least a quasi theology of retirement that was happening at the time. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. All right. So kind of a follow-up question, the question number two, um, I recently uh, just did a road trip through Oregon. Um, I hopped on the 395 from Reno, Nevada, up to a little town called Riley, Oregon, and, and then headed west to Bend. And uh, 
Well, it was really funny is Riley. My daughter's name is Riley. And, and right where 395 meets up with Riley in, in uh, Southeast Oregon, there's a little store there called the Riley store. Uh, and so I was able to like buy a t-shirt and other things with her name on it that I haven't given to her yet, but I'll give it to her soon. But, uh, there's a church of Christ pastor in Bend, Oregon that I knew, uh, from my time at Fried Hardeman and, uh, his name's Michael Whitworth. And I had coffee with him on Friday, uh, at a local coffee shop there in Bend. And when I was talking to him about my podcast and, uh, what I've been doing with my D-Men project. Um, he had never heard of pension fund before either. And he didn't even, um, he, he asked me to explain what a pension was itself mm -hmm. and that kind of like, okay, all right. So let's, let's, let's answer that question first. Like what is a pension, Matt and Jonathan, can you explain to us what that is and how that's helpful for for COC pastors and for everybody. Yeah. Wait, would you like me to take that matter? Yeah, you go for it, John. Okay. Um, well, the first thing that I would want to really point out to it is that uh, there, I think there are different kinds of pensions, but we are specifically a church plan, which in and itself is so different from many of the places that you're going to find out in the main street traditional retirement providers, um, such as uh, in retirement, we have life, uh, um, uh, something that's a housing allowance that you can take that's, uh, you're not going to get in something else. And our pension plan and our 403B products allow for folks to be able to take housing allowances in their retirement. So that in itself, and there's a few other rules that are like that, that allow us to differentiate because IRS has determined that we are a church plan. Um, and we're determined for that as a church plan for Churches of Christ. So that we get to do those kinds of benefits. A pension in and of itself is kind of like building up credits. You're going to put funds in um, based on uh, your housing and your salary uh, over a certain number of years. And hopefully you're going to do it, you know, when you're 25 or 30 until you're 65, which are when you're eligible to retire. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're building up credits. You're putting in these funds that's more dollars at first that's going to seem like that um, mm -hmm. because only so much of that percentage turns into credits because okay. it's funding all of those accounts kind of at the same time as they're all building, right? Mm -hmm. And there are folks who are already retired that were funding their retirement. Mm -hmm. And uh, you build up these credits that when you retire, those credits convert into dollars as a lifetime income. And it's a defined benefit versus a defined contribution. So that benefit is now for life. So when you retire, that's your income you're gonna make every single year. It's not gonna go down. It can only go up when we have what's called special apportionments. That's something that we can add. And whether you're still working or you're retired, it's kind of like getting a raise to your pension right. uh, that increases those credits to help you in both building up those credits and enjoying those credits in retirement. Um, so that it becomes a benefit and it's a defined benefit versus the contribution, which we do have uh, another form of the 403B, which is different because it's looking at the tax deferred retirement accounts mm -hmm. or a Roth 403B, which is okay. either pre-tax or after-tax dollars that you can contribute, mm -hmm. but that's a defined contribution. It's a different from a pension plan so that when you're mm -hmm. 65, you've built up so many dollars and those are dollars that you've been contributing. You're going to utilize those, but once that account goes down to zero, you're out of it's money. gone. Yeah. Right. So that's a little bit different. And that's why pensions really have this 
uh, overall, depending on how long you expect to live, if you have a crystal ball, you know, to be able to look at like, well, I'm going to live 10 years after I retire, I'm going to live 40 years after I retire, you might have a better idea yeah. of which one's going to offer a benefit. But as we're living longer, the more important those pensions are becoming because they're allowing folks to have sustainable income yeah. way into retirement. Yeah. And our oldest, uh, our oldest pensioner currently is 104 years old. He's a retired minister in Alabama. So he's been retired for 40 <laughs> 40 years and wow. has not lived his retirement. Um, I mean, really at the end of That's the day, cool. what I tell people is to is exactly what Jonathan said. A pension is a is a lifetime income. When you retire, you start receiving a check and you receive that check every month until you die. Uh, and I read a I read a little bit of a history of re- retirement accounts a couple months ago. And it used to be that somewhere around 50% of American companies used to have pensions. So you would work yeah. for AT&T or you would work for Bell South and you would have a pension. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they transitioned away from that for a number of different reasons. Yeah. And so I think only about money. 10, yeah, money. They don't mm-hmm. yeah, they don't really like taking care of their employees. Um, and so I think maybe you probably know the statistics on this, but it's a very small percentage of people who actually have pensions now. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people hear pension and they're like, oh, well, I just heard about the Illinois teacher's pension and how it's foreclosing and stuff like that. Um, we at Pension Fund have consistently been over 100 percent funded throughout the mm-hmm. history pension fund and and are today as well too mm-hmm. um and so we've been we've been very fortunate to to have that stability for 127 years yeah. um over time okay no, no account has ever lost any money of their retirement accounts and yep. 120 it's 128 years now 128 years there we go yeah <laughs> awesome awesome yeah the one thing one of the things i learned when i was training to be a financial professional back in 2020 was that difference between a defined contribution and defined benefit and how big of a deal that that was. And in Ghilarducci's book, her argument's like, okay, most Amer- a lot of Americans did have a pension, a defined benefit, but in the late 70s, early 80s, that shift to from pension to defined contribution 401k, that changed everything to where now most employers have a 401k rather than a pension. And that defined contribution plan 401k does not guarantee you having enough money that's gonna last you throughout all retirement. And that's the main cause of the American DIY retirement crisis. So very cool. Uh, Lars, anything you want to add at this point? Well, I think a lot of times a question will come up like, I'm not going to be at this church forever, uh, or I might not be in this denomination forever. So that's that's something our restoration movement folks tend to be, uh, maybe in Churches of Christ less so, but um, but often there's this kind of worry that if I'm retiring or I'm going to be investing in this retirement kind of thing, will this go with me? Will this be able to move from church to church or is this going to be a really big nightmare? Yeah. Um, and especially on the denominational thing. So could you guys speak to that a little bit about, Great um, question. you know, it's say, you know, my church in San Diego that I first worked at had had pension fund and Christian church. Um, and I joined then, but I moved to a church that wasn't participating Um what what kind of what does that look like? Yeah, good good question. There, it, both of our accounts are portable uh, in different ways. So, like we said, we have a four hundred three b account and we have a traditional pension plan account. So, the four hundred three b account functions like a four hundred one k. You can roll it over into any other type of plan. If you go to work at Target, uh, you can roll that over into a Target four hundred one k, or you can roll your Target four hundred one k into pension fund four hundred three b. The pension plan. Um, it can also follow you from church to church and institution to institution. And even if you were to leave 
um, say the Restoration Movement, you worked at a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church, uh, if you are ordained um, within the tradition uh, of the Restoration Movement, even if you go and work at another denomination, we can still partner with that church specifically for your retirement account. So we can't provide it to the entire staff at a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church, um, but we could still contribute to your account through your ordination. Um, and um, pension, even if you weren't working in ministry anymore, um, your pension doesn't go away. Um, it may just it may just freeze for a time, um, but it doesn't go away. So anything to add to that, Jonathan? I, I, I think you said that perfectly, Matt, that really the, and I think, well, let me, let me try that again. The only thing that I would add is that let's say you're going in ministry now and you don't know what the future holds, but if you get five or 10 years into a pension plan, I think that the lifetime, the defined benefit that you're going to get from that five to 10 years will far outweigh what you think it will. Mm. And it's worth investing into it now. And even if you don't contribute it after five to 10 years and it's there just waiting for you in retirement, that's something that you can add to your income that's going to last through your lifetime in retirement. And it's hard to say no to something like that that can be a defined benefit for a monthly income in retirement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I was just visiting with um, a pastor friend and we were talking a little bit about this. He he is in pension fund and has uh, another 403B and he, so he's trying to decide, does he move the 403B over to, uh, so he's got pension fund, pension, but now should he move his 403B from his other thing to the 403B pension fund or do something else? Mm -hmm. And I kind of was having the conversation with him saying, you know, having a bunch of different things is okay, but yeah. we have this tendency to want one account to be mm -hmm. really, really big. And we think that that means that we're better off. Mm -hmm. Um and I think in retirement accumulation, you know, we we almost want to be a little bit like an investment uh, manager, diversifying our assets, right? So housing, and you can see that in the the six uh, takeaways that Jordan had, that there's this kind of diversification of a thrust. And I think that's where the pension um, idea, in my mind, is uh, is really helpful because it supplements the same way that Social Security is a defined benefit. Um it's not going, you know, you build these credits with social security, but we need something more than that. And, um, and so I think that's, that's where it's helpful. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to do maybe a 403B or some of these other things, or go work in another industry where your, your bivocational uh, retirement assets and savings might be in something different. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's, I asked that question about like, can it, can it be mobile? Because I think that's something that's lingering in people's mind. But I also think it's totally fine. My wife was a teacher in, in Southern California in uh, the Pasadena school district. And so she has uh, a pension uh, and we haven't contributed to it for now, almost four years. Right. But it's going to be there. And it was, you know, three, three and a half years worth of stuff. And it accumulated more than, uh, than I think we ever thought. And it's mm. going to just be out of sight, out of mind uh, for now. And that's wonderful. And I don't feel like we need to move that account to our other account. I think we can have these these separate things. And, and I want to encourage that kind of diversification. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the authors I looked at that uh, writes about uh, index universal life policies, which there's a sum, there's not a lot. It's weird how the like po uh, popular voices don't talk about 
using insurance in terms of retirement planning for whatever reason. It's, it's kind of strange, but it's just that way right now. But Doug Andrew has a book called Laser Fund, and he talks about you want to diversify like we're talking about. And he, he has a conversation about four different buckets and where you want to put your money to draw income from in retirement. But let me ask this question, because this question just popped in my mind, because I was in ministry for full time for 10 years. Uh, Church of Christ Congregations in Columbus, Georgia, Modesto, California, and then the South Bay area uh, outside of San Jose. Um, I'm currently working very, very part time, like uh, very part time uh, for a church in Redwood City, California. And I'm even looking at trying to uh, work for a church uh, more, more true part time uh, in the Bay Area as well. If I am a part time Church of Christ pastor, can I still become part of the pension, a pension fund of the Christian church? Yes. Yes. Okay. We've been working part time. You absolutely can. Okay. And is that, does that look any different or is it the same? I, the, the difference that you'll see is uh, where you would choose between a pension plan, the, the traditional pension plan that we have versus the 403B with the TDRA or Roth after-tax 403B. Um, and the only reason I would say that is because it's going to differ person to person on what they would prefer there. Because at the end of the day, the pension plan, as I was talking earlier, is accruing credits, right, based on your housing and salary. And it's only 14% of that. It's going to be building credits and you might decide that you can get more bang for your buck using that TDRA or Roth account uh, over that part-time because you can put however much you would like to in that account up to the IRS limit, which working part-time in a church, we're probably not going to hit those IRS limits that are listed yeah. for us, but um, the pension plan at 14% would be probably a lot lower. And so yeah. that, that becomes a question for you and to, to decide where is that more beneficial to put that into a pension plan or mm -hmm. to put that into a TDRA Roth 403B. Okay. Yeah, okay. Any any church staff, full time, part time, clergy, non clergy can participate in pension fund. Non clergy. Uh, non clergy. Yes. Yeah. So the okay. secretary, administrator, janitor. We have a number of preschools that are attached to right. churches that are part of pension fund. Um. So we the only we we can work with any organization and any employee that is part of a restoration movement. Wow. Nonprofit. So that could be a church, it could be a preschool, it could be a private school. We've got a lot of nursing uh, homes, retirement homes, okay. agencies, colleges, seminaries. Um, so we've got we've got janitors at colleges that are part of pension fund. We've got nurses at retirement homes that are part of pension fund. Full time. I think we even have a couple of coaches. Matter. Okay. Coaches. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so. Yeah. Bushnell University. Uh, <laughs> kind of shout out to uh, you guys. Is good work with with our with our staff. So we're grateful. That's great, guys. Man, I feel like I am just man. I am trying to play catch up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we can set up three. a call after this for us. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So uh, tell us more. Uh, we, we've already been kind of talking a lot about this, but tell us more of what the uh, pension fund, the Christian church has done for some church of Christ pastors. Um, and if, if there's any more history there that you haven't kind of shared yet, um, now's the time to kind of just unload that history as well. But what, yeah. what, what have you done? What can you do for Church of Christ pastors? For sure. For sure. Um, we, we have a number of Church of Christ, uh, congregations that are pension fund. All of them are relatively new, I would say in the last number of years, um, because all the things that we've been talking about before, um, and we have uh, we're trying to show up to Church of Christ lectureships, uh, college uh, meetings. I know the um, 
Christian Scholars Conference that's hosted at Lubbock and, and um, Lipscomb. We'd like to go to the Pepperdine Lectures. Uh, I don't know if we've been there yet. Um, and so, yeah, we're trying to do whatever we can to connect with Church of Christ pastors. Um, they can, every Church of Christ pastor, uh, minister can, can use any and all of our resources. It is available to them. Um, and so, yeah, we're just trying to get in front of, of folks. And something else that we do that's in addition to our retirement benefits um, in a separate fund is we also have a benevolence ministry. And so we actually work with any restoration movement minister who, for one reason or another, was not able to save for retirement. Mm. Uh, and so maybe they get to retirement, they opted out of Social Security, they don't have any retirement, and so they're destitute. Um, we actually have a, about, a million, about a $30 million endowment that pays out anywhere from $1 to $2 million per year in benevolence pensions, um, where a minister can apply. Uh, also, minister spouses can apply as well, too. Wow. Um, and they will just have to fill out their financial and if they are under the 200% of, if they are under 200% of the poverty level in retirement, then we can give them a supplemental pension um, that is a gift ministry benevolence of the church. Uh, and so we have people who donate to that and we are always looking. So if anybody's listening now um, who thinks that they may qualify or they know someone who could qualify, yeah. please let us know because this is meant for folks like that. That's, that's amazing. Um, again, I'm shaking my head again, but this time in joy um, because like one minister that we interviewed from Texas talked about how this one congregation's previous ministers, pastors from bygone eras come back to them because they haven't saved well enough for retirement. And they're just like, help me. I don't know what to do. And it's become almost like a burden uh, the church, not knowing what to do once they've taken them on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if, if someone's in a situation like that, please, please let us know. And when I talk about planning for retirement too, um, I always talk about it's good for the church um, because some mm -hmm. people sometimes say, oh, I'm never going to retire. Well, maybe you should retire at some point, but people, everybody's going to have to retire in yeah. some capacity. Uh, and we don't want to be continuing to work in a church when our heart's not in it because we have to. Um, yeah. And we don't want to be a financial burden on a church because we have to. And so uh, again, that's why we have this endowment and we have this benevolence pension. So please, please reach out to us if, if we can be of help to you. Yeah, yeah. Any word on that, Jonathan? Any thought? Uh, what I would add is that you're going to hear uh, most today about the employer products that we have, which is where the churches themselves can provide both that uh, pension plan and the TDRA or Roth 403Bs. Um, but we also have the other aspects of the industry that a lot of folks just aren't aware of. We have IRA accounts that folks can okay. use. You can have the traditional IRA or the Roth IRA because uh, you were talking about, Lars, about having that diversity. And that's mm -hmm. what we want to be able to provide folks. It's like there's other different options that you can utilize. And um, uh, one of my favorite uh, benefits that we have at Pension Fund, um, I've kind of uh, toggled with the idea because I've heard it called a couple of things at Pension Fund and I like both names. And one of it's called the, the No Duh account or the <laughs> Hide It From Target account. Um, uh, you said you have a daughter, Riley, right? Yes. Uh, Jordan, I, I have a daughter as well, who's two years okay. old. Her name is Adelaide. And when I go to uh, Target, it's really hard to walk through that kid section, the toddler section, and not yeah. want to get her something cute or oh, get yeah. her a little toy. And I often end up overspending at Target. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and it's really easy to get on that uh, application on my phone to access my bank and move funds from my savings account to my checking account. Yeah. Um, we, we have an account at pension fund that I love because 
it's a little more tucked away than that. Mm -hmm. It still is very, it's fully liquid and it's called uh -huh. our benefit accumulation account. And it's earning instead of your average savings account, mm -hmm. earns which like is nothing to 3%, yeah. right? It's cents on the dollar or hundreds of dollars you're earning cents on it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this account earns uh, 3% as a base interest and it's is better. still available for good experience credits. And so it stays hidden away because you're not going to have that temptation to have that uh, target spending at the last second when you're in that line and overspending something. Right. Um, so I love that account. And I think I try to tell a lot of ministers about that because you want to have something that's in uh, an emergency account. You want to have something that's set aside for when those disasters happen because they do happen. And we're running into the more, whether you live on the West coast and you're dealing with fires or earthquakes, or you live in mm -hmm. Central America and tornadoes and water, or you're living in the Southeast coast and you're dealing with hurricanes. Yeah. We all have these natural disasters that happen in our lives. And whatever situation that you're in, you're going to run into something that's going to require thousands of dollars of fixing. Yep. And it's good to have a savings account that's fully liquid. That's also growing at a better rate that stays a little tucked away. And so I try to tell folks about that a lot to say, mm -hmm. you need to have that retirement savings. And you also want to have something supplemental as an emergency savings. And as a retirement product group to have that offered to our uh, members, I try to make sure they know about that because right. it's a really great product to be able to help folks handle the day-to-day -day life things because we care about the pastor as a whole not mm -hmm. just as someone who's a retirement product person but it were like mm -hmm. you know like matt was talking about those mra programs because we also have mra uh, ministerial relief and assistance that's benevolence ministry got it yes mra yeah, sorry about that um because we have like uh, your money line which is there to help as a financial concierge we have the learn to live which is there to help clergy with their financial and sorry with their mental wellness um, as many folks were impacted by how uh, particularly uh, COVID affected all of us during that pandemic mm -hmm. time. And mm -hmm. we want to be able to be a resource for folks to know that you are more than just someone who's trying to retire. You are a whole person who needs caring for financially and mentally and being able to set yourself up for the future. And so we're trying to do as many things as we can to provide those resources to mm -hmm. the whole person who's coming to us as a uh, resource. That's great. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we also offer a student gift program, and this is free okay. to any seminary okay. students. Um, and that is, if you are in seminary preparing for ministry in one of the three traditions of the restoration movement, we will pay your pension credits free from us for all three or four years of seminary so that you're ready for, okay. so you already have something in retirement when you go. What? I'm right. shaking my head. I'm shaking my head again. Um, do you pay my, can you pay my student loans? I'm sorry. No, unfortunately <laughs> no. <laughs> Darn it. Need a program for that. Um, okay. You Uncle Joe, your, uh, you know, the, the oh, president, man. president do it. Oh, that's too political, but, um, no, we'll get, we'll get the student loan. That should be the next podcast, Jordan. We should, yes. do, you know, talking about the student debt crisis, you know, there we go. Yeah. 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 Um, man. Uh, I was sad news. It's like what last week or two uh, Supreme court shooting that down. Um, but all right. Uh, so in talking about like the benevolence funds, the student gift program. Awesome. Those are, those are great. Uh, an aspect of the, of a question based off of that, that I wanted to ask you question four is like, okay, the typical church of Christ pastor, where are they at from James Naps's two studies 
we kind of see that, okay, they're over-reliant upon traditional vehicles like Social Security if they haven't opted out already, and they're over-reliant on a defined contribution plan like an IRA. And James Knapp's both of his studies, both in over 200 pastors in Texas and in over 200 pastors nationally, um, he found that those two vehicles were the only sources of income that over 50% of participants even had. Um, so that's a problem. All right. And so most Church of Christ pastors probably also work at a small church and therefore have a small salary and therefore also don't get any retirement benefit that that church can provide them. And they probably also have student loan and other debt. All right. So what can the pension fund do for that typical Church of Christ pastor? I, the first thing that I would say is get over the scary monster mm -hmm. that is that giant, because you're looking at that, and the first thing that most people do is they just retreat from answering that question. You know, okay. if someone were to ask them, like, what are you going to do about it? These are all the things you're kind of facing. What are you going to do? And most of the time, it's so overwhelming. It's too overwhelming. They shut down. And that's the first thing I would say is like, you've got to face it and you've got to just pick up the phone, drop an email, get started somewhere because we have resources to help you figure that out. Like I was talking about one of those products is your money line. That's a free financial concierge that can help you budget to figure out how it is that you can set aside funds hmm. for your retirement. So maybe your church isn't helping contribute, but you can. And maybe there's a way to figure out how to best do that, taking into account what your financial obligations are to student loans. Um, maybe you have an ailing parent, or maybe you have your own medical bills, mm -hmm. or maybe you have all three, and you're trying to figure that out while also saving for a kid's college education, and that's what that financial concierge is to try to help you figure out how to budget that to make some action started now, even if it's just tackling debt and getting there to where you can retire, or if it's putting half a percent or one percent into retirement this year and building that on to next year it's just important to get started somewhere instead of avoiding that question i always tell people too that when you think about saving for retirement it's not the amount you're saving each month that's the big biggest contributor to retirement it's the compounding interest and so even if you're mm -hmm. only able to do 10 or 20 or 25 dollars a month if you can start doing that in your 20s or your 30s, that is yeah. going to pay in enormous benefits um, than if you were doing $100 at age 60. Uh, and so even if it's just small amounts, no, no amount is too small. And the best time to start saving for retirement is always now. Yeah. Yeah. Like start, like you were saying, start while you're in seminary, right? Mm -hmm. That's like yeah. ama amazing. If I'd have done that, like, wow, I'd be in a lot different uh, place where I, than I am right now. Um, okay. Lars, any thoughts? Well, yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, as we move from church to church or, you know, especially within the churches of Christ, we're, we're highlighting how it's a DIY denomination mm -hmm. yeah. in many ways. Um, so every time we're recreating the wheel or reinventing the wheel. And I think that's where, uh, you know, I'm in legacy, uh, charitable estate planning, uh, conversations a lot of times where, uh, a church or, uh, you know, an organization like a university is receiving these life estate gifts, um, these these bequests uh, from a generation of gone by ministers. And we're like, wait a second, they weren't supposed to have any money. And uh, and they they had done some really good saving. And then there's like this gap uh, that happens. And we kind of were like, I'm not sure what happened. Like, were we just not talking about legacy giving and all these things? And so we're, we're back to that education. And I think about my change from a church that did have a local 
group of Churches of Christ in San Diego that were doing something to L.A., where we should have been in a bigger city, where we should have had more organization, and yet that church was on its own, and none of its its elders were both entrepreneurs who owned their own businesses and didn't have uh, retirement or health insurance, and so they didn't have uh, any sort of policy set up. It wasn't written anywhere what we were going to do. There was no collaboration. We were making it up on the fly, um, taking advantage of the fact that both ministers' wives worked for very good uh, health insurance providing organizations like school districts. But yeah. I think that's um, that's an offering that the, the pension fund has for the minister because you can go to your elders or you can go to your lay um, you know, uh, treasurer and just say, I know you don't have capacity to come up with a good plan yourself, and I don't expect you to do everything that I want you to do. Um, or I might not be that wise about finance, right? I might not be Jonathan, who's who has a business degree. Um, so I might not understand, but I can walk in with a really uh, well-articulated third party, you know, uh, this is what we could offer. This is what you could offer me. And now it becomes less of like, I'm going to a business meeting and demanding to be paid more um, and just bringing a, this is actually what a lot of churches do. This is like a 128 year organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love for you guys to consider this and it's not that hard. They'll actually do a lot of it for you. Um, would you take this meeting with, you know, with Matt? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's a place to get started for a minister who might be moving from church to church and just feeling like it's so much. I might have that conversation in the interview and it'd be three years before I actually see benefits. Um, what if you just, you had the pension fund, you had pension fund and Christian church materials or website mm-hmm. link, um, you know, pensionfund.org. And you just say, hey, this is what I would like to make sure is part of, uh, before I sign on the dotted line, you know, for the salary, we're going to, we're going to explore this and uh, it's not going to be cosmic. It's not going to be really tailored. You know, it doesn't have to be super um, unique plan. I, I, I think that's partly what churches of Christ often okay. fall prey to is kind of this desire to be unique. We're not like other mm-hmm. denominations, we're not right. like other churches. Um, but I think in this setting, the legacy of pension funds is a benefit. Yeah. yeah. We, um, and we don't charge churches anything to participate with us either. There's no fees for churches to participate with us. Um, and I'm preaching to the choir here, I'm sure, but churches and elders need to think about the well-being of their staffs. Um, and I think for too long, particularly churches in our tradition, have been subsidized. Um, I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day. There's been a lot of churches who've been subsidizing their employees by corporate America or by the government in the sense of, well, their spouse has um, medical benefits, so they'll be okay. Or, oh, well, he can get Medicaid because we don't pay him enough. And I mean, I think that is, I'm so glad that there are those programs there. And I know a lot of pastors who are on food stamps as well, too. And thank God for those programs. But I think it's an indictment on local churches when we don't take care of those people that are working on our staffs. And then we wonder why they leave ministry. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the Christian Chronicle podcast have been talking about why is there a minister shortage in Church of Christ? They've been covering that in articles and 
now they've been uh, covering it on their podcast in several episodes. And the last one, they uh, a lot of it, I think they just mentioned in this last episode, a lot of it just has to do with money, many different aspects of money. And what's interesting, when you look at the history of Church of Christ and the Stone Campbell movement, a lot of decisions on why Church of Christ fell where they did were had all to do with, with money. Uh, it's really interesting um, because the very nature of the congregation themselves kind of fit like, well, are we going to be against located and salaried pastors? Well, yes, we are, because we couldn't pay them even if we wanted to, you know? Um, so the next question is in question five, like, what are some stories that you can share uh, about Pension Fund of the Christian Church helping Church of Christ pastors? You, we have yeah. a we have a couple of Church of Christ pastors who are part of that benevolence ministry. Um, and um, I think that that is a testament to the church. And what I think is really unique about that, too, is that the majority of our donors to that program are actually from the Disciples of Christ tradition. Um, but this isn't necessarily Church of Christ, but I was talking to an independent Christian church minister who was very much against Disciples of Christ. Like he said, they are way out there and uh, this and that. Um, but he ended up being a beneficiary of the benevolence ministry. Um, which was funded almost entirely by Disciples of Christ donors. And it changed his perspective on uh, just the, the wider church and the right, the wider restoration movement, Stone Campbell movement. And I thought that was kind of really interesting to know that we as a movement um, are still in this together. Um, and we still are here to serve each other, whether we disagree with each other or not. Um, and I know a number of Church of Christ ministers who... Um, are part of the benevolence program or who are part of our retirement benefits. Uh, and what I think is interesting is seeing our members who are disciples who have preconceived notions about churches of Christ or Christian churches or our members who are church of Christ or Christian churches who have preconceived notions about disciples, um, that that breaks down whenever you're actually together or you're getting to know each other or you're benefiting from the work and ministry of each other as well too. And so I think that's pretty a beautiful um, theology of, of, of what the pension fund is. Yeah. Absolutely. If you want to see pension funds ministry in action, that's our ministry. It's that being able to be that bridge and do the work out there together. And yeah, I mean, that's uh, the, the heart of the three streams, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's great. That's great. Um, Lars, anything you want to add to that question? Uh, well, I just, I, I think there's story after story of a desire, um, to not reinvent the wheel. And, mm. uh, and so as I've gotten to know more disciples, pastors, um, you know, it doesn't take long for a pension fund to come up as a, as a topic. Uh, it doesn't take long for me to realize uh, there are churches that, um, yeah, are thinking differently about the care and the money. Um, and they tend to have longer longevity with, uh, with staff members and, and, and those kind of things. Uh, and then I tend to be envious of other denominations at times. So I went to Fuller Seminary and we're, you know, often uh, talking to Methodist uh, pastors or Presbyterians, um, any and some of the other uh, mainline uh, and just hearing like, you know, average salaries, uh, retirement mm -hmm. benefits, you know, a right. bunch of different things. And you can become very envious and, and jealous. And I think uh, when when I've been in settings with with uh with churches that have pension fund uh, products. And I, I think about that with Bushnell University, like these are some of the best ways in which we deal with money. So the math, whether it's the match or uh, the investment uh, tools there, 
um, those are t those tend to be the best ways we provide. Um, whereas I, I still am in some spheres where it's independent Christian church overlap, and there can be uh, maybe the salaries aren't quite keeping up with some of those other denominations, um, but the retirement match or some of those kind of things um, are. And um, so I'm usually trying to brag on on pension fund because uh, I do think it's one of those, mm -hmm. as you guys mentioned already, not just things that bridges the three streams, but it's it's one of the the brighter spots, um, I think, in the three streams. Uh, our colleges tend to be a little competitive with each other. And I, mm -hmm. and I say that as I rep one of them. Yeah. Um, and we can be a little judgmental of, you know, who, who's got the good scholar or who's got, you know, whatever. Um, we can mm -hmm. be competitive about numbers, right? Yeah. And, oh. and uh, right now I know several of my disciples uh, colleagues are asking questions about the future of the, of disciples congregations and, um, and independents are, you know, uh, looking to what I call kind of meccas of these kind of uh, large mega churches in places like the Fort Worth area. But, um, but you know, I think we can we can get competitive with each other, and this really offers an opportunity to uh, to say we're in this together. Yeah. Literally, we're in this together because this this organization and um, our money uh, brings us together, and so I think that's. Um, one of those great ways we can be not non-competitive and and seek each other's other's good. Um, so I appreciate your guys' work and I appreciate you kind of breaking down some of those things and just explaining the nuts and bolts. Um, I'd love to know like how uh, how would a church, let's say in the Northwest where I'm at, mm -hmm. uh, how would they get involved with pension fund what would be the best entry point and then uh, maybe you can give a little bit of an overview for like the different major regions in the in the country is it reach out to one of you is it reach out through the website what what's the best yeah. way for a church uh, to to get this conversation going i think you have a few different options really um the the primary one that we would start you off with most of the time is that we have six area directors that oversee different aspects of the uh the country um, if you're in Colorado West, you're I'm your guy. So if you're up in that Oregon Pacific Northwest area, you give me a, a shout. If you're in Colorado, you give me a shout. If you're in Arizona, you can give me a shout. Um, but we have five other area directors. Matt's one of them as well, who covers I think uh, Tennessee and and Florida and maybe Alabama. So a lot of that Southeast. Okay. Uh, Matt could give you the. I I can't remember the map off the top of my head. There's 50 states and six of us, but we divide that up. Um, based on, you know, where a lot of our members are. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's a great way. But you can also, there's a number on our website at pensionfund.org. If you scroll to the very bottom of that, that's going to give you a toll-free number to call and they're going to get you connected to the right person. So even if you don't know who your area director is, you can call that number and they're going to go, well, where do you live? Where are you calling from? And they're going to get you connected to the right person that can get you started. And that's just the best place is just to, to give one of us a call. And uh, we will get the church or, or the minister or the staff person. Um, we're going to get you started in the right direction, whether that's starting with a participation agreement or saying, hey, we've already got you in the system. Let's just get you started. So, okay. great. Great. Yeah, I think of the quote from Ghostbusters and Church of Christ are often saying, don't cross the streams, right? Uh, but the, pen the pension fund, yeah, I know. Thanks for laughing. Um, pension fund can, is that is that bridge builder to cross the streams, because that's something we actually want to do in the Stone Cabin movement in our three streams. We want to cross and, and build bridges and very grateful to be aware of 
pension fund, the Christian church now. Um, so I had to throw a Ghostbusters quote in there somehow. But um, two final kind of quick questions that are there on, on the list uh, in front of you is uh, before we, we end. And again, thank you for joining us today on the podcast is that how in any way has your time with Pension Fund of the Christian Church shed light on the minister shortage in Churches of Christ, if at all? Yeah, there's a there's a minister shortage, I would say, in all three streams. Uh, and there's, uh, whether we admit it or not, there's a decline in all three streams as well, too, in, in different ways. Uh, and that's indicative of the larger church in, in the Western world and the American context. Um, and at the end of the day, I think a lot of it comes down to having healthy ministers um, and healthy leaders, not only ministers, but elders, deacons, board members. Uh, and we did a study a couple of years ago, uh, a study of restoration movement ministers across three streams. We asked what their biggest stressor was and consistently their biggest stressor was money. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the what I find the biggest reason people leave ministry. It is the biggest yeah. stress in ministry. Uh, it stresses on ministers' marriages, on their yeah. relationships with their staff and their their elders and deacons. Uh, and so whatever we as pension fund can do or whatever we as colleges and local congregations can do um, to create more on-ramps for ministry and healthier ways uh, to to do ministry professionally, I think that will will help us in the long run um, in the in the church in the in the American context. Great. I'm going to let that stand for itself. I think that was a great answer, Matt. Okay, great. Great. Thank you. And then one also just quickly, and you even touched on a little bit, um, most white dom dominant denominations in America are shrinking. Like you said, all three streams are, are, you know, have a shortage of ministers, but are they also all three experiencing perhaps a, a decline as well? It would seem they, they would be, but what if anything can pension fund of the Christian church do for Church of Christ, who've been experiencing a 30 plus year decline, is there any way the partnership between Church of Christ and Pension Fund can help uh, kind of turn the tide in that way? Uh, I would start with, you know, the products that we were talking about earlier, which is the, the free resources we have, the clergy wellness and uh, learning to live, uh, your money line. Um, it's got to be that part that sees ministry as a whole and not just as one aspect of it because um, yes our, our focus is primarily going to be on the business side of things because we have those retirement products um, but if we want ministry to survive we've got to be able to be that uh, place for both spiritual and mental respite as well um, to be able to survive and I think that that's going to be a continuation of support for one another so showing up to things like that uh, the Northwest Convention last week, and uh, being on this podcast with y'all today is that we've got to continue building those bridges so that the onus doesn't rely on just one aspect of it, but on, and not just on ministers trying to get that information, um, but on congregations, on universities, uh, on pension fund, on all of us to kind of work towards uh, sharing those resources that we can provide each other with the tools that are needed to make ministry survive and not just survive, but we want ministry to thrive. Yeah. And in order for it to do that, we've got to have all the resources at our tools and it can't be on just ministers, the congregations and universities and pension mm -hmm. fund and uh, benevolent organizations themselves. All of us have to be on the same page of working towards building bridges that we can do this together to really kind of get at to the heart, I think of what 
the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement was at was like, hey, we're all doing, we're all Christians. We got to be on the same page with each other to do this together. We might not agree on the theology of things, but at the end of the day, you know, we're on the same ship trying to get to the other side of the shore, and we've got to, to do that together. Um, argue all the way we want to, but we got to do this together. And um, otherwise, we're going to lead pastors to moving on and giving up because they're not getting what they need. Congregations are not getting what they need, and we're not serving the people that we need to be serving. We're just fizzling out. We got to be there in support of each other. Yeah, Matt. Anything yeah, I think one of the okay. The, the line, yeah, one of the things the decline does is it uh, precipitates the the walls coming down because we no longer are able to sustain uh, financially some of these things like a retirement. Like we couldn't have a pension fund for Churches of Christ and pension fund for independent and and we wouldn't have enough people and probably part of the reason why you guys are uh initiating some of these relationships is just the fact that somebody pension fund is saying we need relationships and somebody at acu and somebody at uh you know at these different gatherings and i know that was the case at northwest christian convention is um we have had a historical relationship with pension fund, but it hadn't been as, um, you know, we hadn't had you guys out in a while. Um, and it was just saying, hey, we we can't start a new one of these because of our decline, because of our lack of resources at times. We don't have the energy, the people, uh, the expertise to start our own pension fund. So we went looking for, or we're, we're in relationship with somebody who's doing it already. And, and, and so I think that, the 30 year disruption uh, may be an opportunity for God to help us wake up and be attentive uh, to doing this together. So I love that, that thread through what you were saying, Jonathan. And I just think I want to flip the script and, and not look at this as a negative thing because we have a shortage, but look at this as the opportunity to pay attention to doing ministry differently and caring for ministers and churches differently. And I think part of that monetarily wise means that we need to start kind of doing the uh there's a church in this region there's a church in this town there's there is a restoration movement uh of churches that share these like-minded um beliefs and and uh and and purposes um and so we can do this together and i think that's where i'm excited about the disruption while though i i still uh, hope there can be some new um, energy and changes. Uh, I just think that organizations like Pension Fund precipitate relationship, and that's where that's what's going to move the needle is relationship. Okay, awesome guys. So, any parting wisdom as we wrap up this episode? Any parting wisdom or advice for pastors and/or churches um, on this matter of saving for retirement before we close out? We're here to serve all y'all, so reach out to us, pensionfund.org. Okay, Jonathan. Start early. Do it now. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Don't be scared of the monster that's there. Don't be scared about talking about money. Don't be scared to talk about the obstacles that lie in front of you. Just get started. Yeah. I mean, we could keep going on and on with this conversation, and I want to, but we need to close it out because one of the funny things from our survey results is like, hey, have shorter episodes for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want to continue the conversation, get a hold of Matt or Jonathan, pensionfund.org. Awesome. And so we're going to come back again with another uh, recap episode number two with more of our survey results, uh, highlights, 
and more for the first season of Almost Essential coming up uh, here shortly in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, but for this first uh, recap episode with Matt and Jonathan and Lars, we thank you guys for watching on YouTube and listening on Spotify and Apple. And we are done. We're going to get out of here and we will see you later. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Once again, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Almost Essential Podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to reach out, you can connect with me, Jordan Koss, on Facebook or Instagram. We hope this series is a valuable resource for you, pastor or otherwise. And remember, you are not almost essential. Your role and service in the church is essential, as well as saving for retirement within your holy vocation and calling.